You are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. Hey, 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 it's been a while since we've released the Holy Cannoli Podcast. You're listening to episode 61. This is Tony Gapastone. I'm solo. Today, we are surviving the pandemic, September 2020. My wife is currently working as a preschool teacher. I am working from home. My kids are all distance learning in our home. We are surviving. The struggle is really real. And I am releasing the third installment, finally, the third installment in my discussion on what is the Bible. It is a talk, a series of talks that I did with our church, Quest Novato, that is now all online. Uh, You'll see it starts with a little bit of chitter-chatter in a room. Remember when we were able to gather in rooms? Yeah, listening to this in the edit just gave me a little bit of a weird feeling, thinking, hmm, it's been some time since that's been our reality of having to quiet people down in a room. So enjoy uh, Confessions of a Pastor. It's kind of Confessions of a Pastor part eight. But if you have not listened to some of my previous episodes on Holy Cannoli, go to episode 56 and 59, and you'll see sort of the the trilogy of these conversations. And it's cool. Even as I was listening to that, it's almost a year old, uh, you know, things still have changed. I am not claiming to have any answers. As a theologian, as a pastor, an ordained minister, my goal isn't to try to convince people that I'm right. I'm just trying to say, here's what I've learned. Here's how I see it. And I could be wrong. Uh, my hope is just to encourage us all toward more compassion, toward more openness, toward understanding that the stories that have been passed down to us are just that. They're stories meant to guide and meant for us to grapple with and be in conversation and dialogue with. And things have changed in culture over time. How we understand the divine, how we understand ourselves, how we understand gender and sexuality and class and affluence and all these types of things that impact us. How we understand how to respond to a pandemic. Wow, it's just things have changed. So I put that out there with grace to you all as you listen to episode 61 of the Holy Cannoli podcast. I pray that you are surviving during this time. I pray that you are resting during this time. I pray that you are creating during this time. Whatever you need to do to get through this, please do. And if you haven't gone to our website, the Brave Maker website, bravemaker.com, you can see all sorts of things that are going on. And we really appreciate your support. We are a nonprofit. These podcasts that are done are done as a way to gift the community at large. And if you are able to support them, I would love it. Bravemaker.com slash donate is where you can go. We'd love to find some more monthly sponsors who can give $25, $50, $100 a month. Anything helps us to do this work. Thank you so much. Enjoy the podcast. God loves you. You all are doing the work of worship right now, which is good. This is just as important as our singing and just as important as our learning and listening. Good morning, good morning. So hey, if I... I didn't get a chance to meet you before. My name is Tony Gapastone, and I get to be one of the co-pastors here since July 1st. So we're just going on almost five months now. And we're still, yeah, it's so cool. We're still 
uh, learning about what we are doing as a, a church and who we are. One of the big things that Matt and I, who's Matt's not here, he's on a retreat right now, but we um, first came in saying, we're not going to lay on an, like a huge vision on the church. We need to take some time to explore, talk about things. We started the first couple of months just talking about what does it mean to be the church. We're doing a series now called Sacred Questions. And we really, this sounds so big, but we really candidated on the idea that we wanted to explore and experiment a little bit uh, with us as a congregation. It's been really fun. I want to say thank you for allowing us to do these rows, or these, these tables. We said last week, uh, one of the reasons why we think it's important to do what we just did, have an extended time of talking, is because this is just as an important part of our worship as the music or the teaching time is. And so I think we need to retrain ourselves as what it means to be the church, because sometimes we've just viewed the church as being something you do on a Sunday. You kind of come and check your box and leave. But if we, like we started in July, talked about if we believe that the church is the people of God, then we need to make time to get to know the people of God and to talk and hear and pray. And sometimes, like last week, we're receiving people who are evacuating, who have nowhere to go. And just like we saw last week, they're fitted into a home within this church family. So that's really cool. And I wanted just to affirm and encourage us and you that uh, I know it takes some like some, there's some wiggle room that we need to figure out. How do we do this thing called being the church and not just kind of go with the motions and get into a rut or a routine? So I want to just applaud you and thank you because it's really exciting for me to be a part of a congregation who's willing to take some risks and to try some different things and have some even difficult conversations like the one we're having in this series. We're talking about sacred questions and how we can embrace our doubt and maybe just be honest with sort of the, the things that we question about the Bible or about God. About the, Matt started off, does God even exist? That's a pretty huge question. And he even sh- shared at times he doubts, he wonders, but he has enough faith to go there's something. And these stories are meaningful enough that he would give his life to that. And then we started talking about the Bible. We spent two weeks talking about, uh, number one, was the Bible, you know, intended by God, every single word, or is it just human interpretation? Uh, is there some questions we need to do about what is literal and what is not? What is just metaphor and symbolism? Who was real and who was not? And does that matter? I don't know if we fully answered that question, but I think the, the idea is that we have permission. We're invited into this discussion, and I was making the case that this Bible really is a dialogue, that even the writers of, this, of these scriptures didn't intend for us to just kind of throw it down and say, that's it, believe it all, but threw it down as a way to say, what do you think? How is this playing out in your life? And last week we had guest speaker Lauren Ng talk about a really specific verse, uh, verses from Ephesians chapter 5 about submitting to one another and about the family codes that were imposed upon God's people, what was coming from the Greco-Roman world. So really, really good things. Uh, overall, I think my, my 10-year-old daughter kind of summed it up. We were in the car talking about this week's topic, which is no big, easy thing, but uh, does God cause pain and suffering in the world? <laughs> uh, is God responsible for our natural disasters? And my daughter said, no, of course God isn't responsible for our natural disasters. And then she said, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Maybe God is responsible, because doesn't God control everything? She said, Dad, what do you think? And I said, well, I shared what I, what I think. And she said, um, but you can't tell people what to think, Dad. 
And I was like, yes, that's perfect. I'm not trying to tell us what to think. I truly am saying this is how I understand it. This is how I see it. And um, I'll get that in a second. But one of those things I keep going back to is this is to my best of my ability, how I'm understanding these scriptures. And my 10-year-old daughter nailed it on that. I don't, because that's not being the church. Is someone standing up here telling you what to think, you going away and thinking those things. Being the church is us in conversation and wrestling through and even disagreeing. You don't have to agree. And I hope in some ways you don't fully agree with some of the things that you hear here on Sundays or whenever, but that at our tables and in our car right home, and at work and whatever, on your blogs or Instagram, you're meshing through all this stuff with grace and integrity. Because I'm actually going to do a little bit of that today uh, and hopefully model some of the hopes I have for us, how we can have good conversations. But let's talk about Halloween real quick, because we need to. <laughs> uh, did anybody go trick-or-treating or admit they were in trick-or-treating? <laughs> Only a few people over here. Okay, good. Did anyone hand out candy? Did anyone put out a bowl and say, take one or two? Did anyone do that? Chris did it. How did that fare at your house, at the Weber house? A bowl full of candy. No one went trick-or-treating to the Weber house. Or people just honored what you said. Just take... <laughs> okay. Okay, so did anybody see this little clip going around about Jackson from Maryland? Did anyone see Jackson from Maryland? I don't have the video, but I have a little clip. I'll tell you what happened. Jackson, what do you think he is? Eight, nine? Seven? He walks up to the bowl of candy, and he looks inside, and what does he find? Nothing. It's empty. He looks around. you got to Google it. Go watch the clip. He looks around like, what? Oh, okay. And his little sister comes wobbling up. She must be less than two. You can see her in the orange tutu, and then the mom comes. And then he digs into his bag and puts a handful into the empty bowl. And then he does one more, and he pulls out what looks like a sucker (laughs) and puts the sucker in. And then he goes for a third. He's like... That's enough. (laughs) And he walks off. But you can see why this would go viral. Here is a kid who is sacrificing his own candy on behalf of people he doesn't know, the people who will come, yeah, that's, that's something worth applauding for, right? This is something that we don't often see in humanity. Now, in my neighborhood, uh, I had a friend post something, I mean, and I'm not going to put it out there because I don't want to be that mean, but of a mom who took the whole bowl and then told her daughter to, like, grab the plant as well. So the daughter grabs the potted plant and walks away. And, of course, when you have these, these videos, people can post it, and people can easily find who you are. It's just not smart, right? Uh, but you look at all the comments, people are enraged. Now, I, I don't try to engage in social media hate because that doesn't do any good. But I think there's something... Uh, by the way, my, my same friend will post the pictures of people uh, who let their dog poop and doesn't pick it up on his lawn and does the same thing. He posts it, like, come on, people, don't poop on my lawn. Which, to me, this goes right back into line as does God cause natural disasters and suffering and pain? Here's why I think this, this relates. As I was talking with my 10-year-old in the car, and we talked about the fires, for instance. These fires that many of you were affected by, whether it was air quality or literally having to evacuate, uh, or people a year or two or three years ago who have been traumatized by seeing their whole life up in flames, losing a house, uh, we could easily start to ask the question is, where is God in all of that? Um, where is God, let me get to the, like, like Job, where is God when it comes to, do, 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 
suffering and pain. Oh my goodness, there we go. Uh, why do these things happen? Because if we believe that God is ultimate creator and God is the ultimate giver and taker, right? then these fires must somehow be attributed to God, which is the whole point of the book of Job. Has anyone ever read the book of Job and dealt with this before? Okay, half the room. So half maybe you haven't. Uh, Job, not Job, uh, is a character in the Old Testament, and the book is right before the book of Psalms, which if you know anything about the Psalms, the Psalms are all about uh, wisdom. It's all about how to live a wise life and what a wise person, how they live, how they take care of their crops, how they take care of their home, how they deal with their money. Uh, the, the Psalms are a really interesting book. Sorry, the Proverbs. Proverbs, not Psalms. Proverbs are a very interesting book that teach us about how to be a good person. And those, those are perfect maxims or the perfect memes to go on, you know, horizons and sunsets because they just have the exact perfect poetic wording. So it's no... Coincidence that the book of Job has a person who's basically a proverbial man who takes care of his wife and his children, who has a great you know, li- group of livestock that he loves and takes care of. But what happens? He loses it all. He loses it all to what looks like a tornado, and he doesn't even get his chance to see it. Someone comes and says, Job, a big swift wind came and took up all your family and your livestock. And he's like, what? Oh, no. And why does this happen? Well, the writer of Job, who is anonymous, we don't. Job does not pen uh, his own uh, his own story here. Someone else pens it. The writer of Job gives us this really interesting metaphor and analogy that actually God, who was governing the world from a very place of justice, is challenged by anybody know Satan. Yeah, challenged by the word is called the accuser. The accuser says to, to, to God, well, the only reason that Job obeys you and the only reason that Job is a good person is because you give him blessings. And so the accuser says, I'll bet. I mean, this is very interesting, right? This is how what we just talked about a couple weeks ago, how the, the ancient world was trying to understand how God worked. Does God cause suffering and pain in the world? Does God cause natural disasters? Because it would seem, based on some of the stories we have here, like we talked about in Noah, and we kind of, I tried to make a case for this is how I might see it or I might share about it, is that, yes, if there's calamity and disaster, it's because God is trying to teach us something. And Job's friends and even Job's wife say, this is happening for a reason, and you should curse God. And one of, a couple of his friends even say, you seem to have it all together, Job, but maybe there's some secret sin in your life. Maybe you're actually hiding something that the great divine is now trying to elevate out so that you'll repent and, and change. This is really hard to, to stomach and to swallow um, because in our modern vernacular, we use these type of phrases all the time. When we, underst- when we try to understand God. And, you know, like I said, I'm still learning. And I'm still trying to position myself in a way that I can say I don't know everything. Uh, just like all of you, we're just trying to sometimes, it feels like we're grasping at straws. But we can sometimes find these nuggets of truths and these stories that really resonate. But I think language is really important. For me, it comes down to this question of how do we talk about God? How does God work in our lives? Even in scriptures, 
that we, like again, that we put on our calendars or we write on our bathroom mirrors or whatever. Even some of the scriptures could weigh or imbalance the scales a little bit to make God look like, you know, he only takes takes care of those who really love him and love him deeply. God might only bless the people who give sacrificially or who worship on a regular basis. And we've sort of, we won't maybe like admit it fully, but we sort of believe these things. We ingrain them into uh, the way that we understand uh, God and the way that we ultimately do life. Um, Let me show you just a couple of things that, am I going backward or forward here? A couple of the phrases that have really, for me, sort of been a little destructive in my life. Uh, and they're, you know, they're things that I've heard for millions, no millions, I've only been alive for 44 years, <laughs> for, for a good, part, good portion of my life. Has anyone ever heard someone say, now, I'm going to try to be um, overly simple because I know some of this language might be new to some of you, so I don't want to assume everybody knows. But uh, I don't use this language very much anymore, but some of us still do, and I have nothing wrong, nothing wrong with it. Uh, but I grew up in a youth group that would say, okay, r- to really be a faithful follower of Jesus, you need to have a quiet time every day. Now, quiet time sounds actually kind of nice now that I have three kids because <laughs> there's not much quiet in my life. But really, it was just schedule 20 minutes, 30 minutes, schedule an hour where it's just quiet. You know, have your phone, your TV, you're not at work. You're just quiet, and you make time to connect with the divine. You make time to read these scriptures, okay? That's really a great thing. I think it's an admirable thing. It can become an unhealthy thing if it's like, if I don't do it, then something's going to be wrong, or if I don't do it, that maybe God doesn't love me, or, like I've experienced before, if I don't do it, then when something, like my tire goes flat, I'm like, I didn't have my quiet time today. That's why I got this flat tire. <laughs> it, done it. I've done it so many times. But I've heard people say things like, and if you've done this, I'm not, it's no shame. I just hope that we can maybe change a little bit of this. Ah, God really hit me upside the head in my quiet time today. And it was with a two by four. I was like, God went, you know, with the Bible as I was reading today. I remember hearing that like many, many times and thinking, no big deal. Like, like that's just how, not, <laughs> how God works. Kind of how like my dad sometimes would like tap me on the back of the head, you know, if I was in the front seat of the car and he was driving and, you know, he didn't like what I said. He'd be like, what are you, stupid? Come on. That's a stupid thing. And he just kind of tapped me on the back of the head. Not superly abusive, but, you know, on a scale of one to ten, about a one or two. <laughs> That I think I shared with you before that at times when I would hit my head in life, I would think that was God sort of give me that little snap, right? These little things. Um, I've heard this before. I've heard God gave me or God gave that person cancer to humble them, right? These little phrases that at the surface don't really seem destructive, But when you let that sit with you, you go back to what Job is going through. He lost his wife and his children and his family and his farm. Well, something must be, I must need to learn something here. There's something that the divine is trying to teach me because I'm not good. Or, you know, maybe just giving me a long line at Starbucks wouldn't do. You know what I mean? Like, God, teach me patience. Okay, then I'm waiting for a a coffee for like 25 minutes. That's good enough. I'll take that. But don't give me cancer. Right? I mean, sometimes I think we attribute evil to God because we don't know what to do with it. It's so complicated and so nuanced that it's actually easier just to put it on God. Uh, One of my favorite things that I sort of equate to trying to figure this out, this complex, you know, how does God work in our lives? When I was a college pastor, 
I did a college ministry for about 15 years. And, you know, young adults are, um, you know, figuring out life and love. And there's lots of emotions and uh, estrogen and testosterone floating in the, the college young adult group. And so you might imagine I would hear a lot of stories about who liked who. Right? Who was interested in who? Who wanted to date who? You know, in times we'd be like, Tony, can I talk with you? Because I really want to figure out like how to get this person to like me back. And I would listen, right? But it would be so terribly awkward and tense for me when I knew the person they were trying to get affection for had already told me, this person's creeping me out. I want nothing to do with them. <laughs> now, what would I do in that moment? Would I tell that person? that you're actually creeping this person out, you should back off a little bit? No, because that would break confidence. So what I would do is I would feel like God in those moments. I would feel as if, like, how do I manage this conversation so that this person could learn? Because I actually believe this person needs to figure out what it's like to pursue someone and get rejected, because that's actually a really good thing, right? But... When you put that on to like, okay, if this person comes to me and they're saying they have symptoms of, you know, flu or whatever, and I have a cure, but I'm like, no, I just want them to figure out what it feels like to really be sick and puke their guts out. That's manipulative and evil, right? So enlarge that into how we understand God. I really feel like there's, we have a lot of work to do in this. Uh, I've heard people say the accident was God's will. The car accident was God's will. Now, again, my 10-year-old daughter, I'm not telling you what to think. But I think stepping back and going, how we talk about what God wants or what God doesn't want is really, really important. Because it doesn't compute in the goodness of God to orchestrate a car crash in which someone would lose their teenage son. That doesn't see, that seems like a God who was coined, you know, sinners in the hands of an angry God, right? That the strings are being pulled. And maybe it's better for us to talk about, um, uh, let me, I want to get to this part about Job. Here's a couple other things that uh, everything happens for a reason. Love the sinner, hate the sin. If you were here in June, when we watched the movie at the end of the day. I love what they did. Does anybody remember what they did with Love the Sinner, Hate the Sin? What did they do? They crossed out everything but the word love. Yeah. So starting from the bottom there, love. Just love. Let's love people. It's almost like we need to reevaluate these little catchphrases that we've used in Christianity within the church, how we understand God. Uh, everything happens cut out for a reason because it's almost like that for a reason puts it on that God is doing something to do something in you as opposed to like that famous cuss where we all like s happens it's like that everything happens bad things just happen they do Uh, the car accident was horrendous the car accident was horrible the car accident could have been prevented but it wasn't Somebody got behind the car drunk. It's just another example of the Halloween trick-or-treating thing. Some people make great decisions and some people don't. That's not God. That's not on God. Uh, Instead of God hit me or slapped me, how could we say, God really spoke to me today. It was kind of hard. It was hurtful. God reminded me of my ego today. So much different the way we describe God in that way where it's a 
conversation. Because God has called a comforter and a counselor. God has called a father and God has called a mother. Uh, how do we understand God sometimes is connected to how a father or a mother has treated us? And we should recognize that. I needed to recognize that. I love my mom and dad, and I'm going to do this to my own kids too. They're going to understand God in the way God works in some way how I've treated them. If I shame them or if I'm short with them or if I shove things on them, they might start to describe God in the same way. But let's go to Job. Um, thanks for flexibility with this. One of the beautiful things about uh, Job, and Job is like so much poetry. So as we talked about how we understand these scriptures, Job never really gets the answer about the questions that it's posing. Do you cause pain and suffering? Do you cause natural disasters? I love that, that this book never really fully answers it. Uh, In fact, it gives a really great discussion with God and Job. Now, did a person named Job really exist? And did God really have this conversation? I don't know. It's kind of cool to think about that. It's also kind of cool to think it's not. It's just a story that's meant to help us understand how we might dialogue with God. The most beautiful thing out of Job is, again, if I could say one word to summarize this series we've been, it's an invitation. You, we, I have an invitation to talk to God and to bring to God all of our questions because God can handle it. He can handle your pain. He can handle my frustration and discontentment. He can handle my shaking fists and and putting up fingers. God can handle all of that stuff. And this is exhibited in the story where Job goes to God and says, all right, what the heck? My friends are saying this. My wife said, what in the heck? And they have this beautiful conversation back and forth. One of the things I love, have anyone ever heard of the Bible Project? I'm going to post this on our social media. We'll put it out on email. The Bible Project seeks to illustrate every book of the Bible. In summary, it's kind of like the animate study that some of you are doing for the community groups. The Bible project is so artful, so theological, and gives, you know, again, a perspective, not the end all perspective. It's just like I'm trying to do, just like you try to do when you describe God's trying to take our perspectives and our understanding of context and culture and try to bring some understanding to it. But the, the thing that I think is beautiful here, illustrated in this one little clip I took, is that God starts talking about the complexity and mystery of creation. That there is creatures that have been made that are both beautiful, but also dangerous and not safe. Uh, the behemoth in a Leviathan is referenced in the book of Job. And some have said culturally you might look at it like a hippo or a alligator. Right? We love to look at these things, but you don't want to be chased by one of them. <laughs> right? And those are all things that can and do happen in our world. But the cool thing is the invitation that not only is given to Job to bring those questions, but the invitation back to Job is that all I could say is that it's complex. God is even saying it's complex. Like Even like God is saying, I don't want to give you an answer. Some people have said because the answer is too big and too lofty, but maybe it's like because God is like, I don't know if there's an answer that's going to be good for you. But the invitation back to Job is, do you trust in my wisdom? Do you trust that I'm good? And that's sometimes all we have. So all I have sometimes is just to go, I believe the creator of the world is good and loving and accepting. 
And I believe that these fires wasn't God's fault. It was, you know, I don't know, was it pg and fault? It was something. Something happened, right? Something happened. Some man-made thing that happened created a fire in some way. Uh, I look at climate change. Is this God's fault or is the fact that we sometimes don't manage or steward the world with our care of the forests? Or look at the ocean, how much plastic is in the ocean and fish that are stuck in plastic. I mean, it really is overwhelming and convicting for me to go, wow, it's kind of our fault, some of this stuff. Kind of on us to go, no, God doesn't cause pain and suffering, we do. And I would say to all of us as a church, we get to hold this with grace and compassion on ourselves and say, let's do better. Let's do better with each other. Let's care about each other more. Let's open up the conversation when bad things do happen and say, okay, I'm mad too. And we could be mad at God because God is God and God could intervene. God could stop. God could make my dad or my, your mom or whoever be kinder. God could make all of us robots, but God doesn't do that. So there, there's a, it's okay to be angry with that. But it's a dialogue that we get to do with God. And I think how we frame the conversation around pain and suffering and God's involvement in it is really key. And that just goes, I think, to everything. Our words are so powerful. How we talk about, that's why, you know, I've had the conversation uh, with, my, my, with my kids. And when I speak about being the church, that we don't go to church. We are the church. We are the church because it changes in our minds how we relate to one another. Our giving, right? We had a great giving month. Thank you for October. Since I've been here five months, we haven't made it over our need. And this is the first time since I came in July, which is awesome. It says something that there's a movement happening here, that you believe in the work that we're doing and trying to figure out how do we serve Novato? How do we? That's awesome because the church isn't this building. It's you all and me all, right? Okay, so we try to do this thing. Uh, this has been an overarching thing, right? How do we look at this through a lens of love? These stories, these prophecies, these poetry, these laws, these letters, pointing to a loving and divine God, inviting us to live into some love. So I'm curious uh, if we can do some question and response. Uh, again, and I always kind of phrase this time, this is questions and response because I don't have the answer, nor do any of us, but we can all sort of add to the conversation when it comes to... Does God cause pain and suffering? Are there any questions that we could surface today? And in fact, I'm going to also give us some uh, cards. Tracy, could you help me? Would you open that? I have these index cards because we have two more weeks where we're going to have these discussions. Tony and Todd, would you pass those out on this side? And maybe Irma, would you open that up? Uh, I'd love to know if there's any other questions we can address over the next two weeks. And there's some here. Would you, Jenny, would you pass that out? So as we surface questions now on this topic, are there things you want us to try to tackle in the next two weeks? Questions that are really important for you or that are frustrating or that are exciting to talk about when it comes to God, when it comes to scripture, when it comes to the world. Any other questions you want to elevate, just write those down and we'll collect them at the end. But any discussion now that anyone would like to surface? Just raise your hand nice and loud and I'll repeat it for our Facebook Live people. Say the question again, so I can. So, you're wondering about how? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
friend. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. I would say, again, my limited words, right, and my understanding is we, I, I think we think God could do that if he wanted to. God could do that if she wanted to. God could do anything God wanted to do, but God doesn't. Just like going back to Job. So how do we reconcile that? I think that's my question. I don't have a, an answer. I think it's something that gets me kind of angry. But then I can lead myself down a direction and say, well, do I want to be a robot? Because there's things that I do that are hurtful that God doesn't say, Tony, do it because this is what you should do. God lets me figure things out, right? So I think that was my just my words of how I might understand it. Yeah, but it's, it's a quandary. Something that could be really interesting to talk more in depth, Nita. So Nita said that acknowledging that God is all-powerful, all-knowing, and all-everywhere um, uh, is something that helps you, are you saying, to kind of reconcile when the questions don't add up? And then you can probably go to another side of that question. Well, well if God knew that that was, that the Holocaust was going to happen, then why did he create, um, what am I thinking? I can't think of his name. <laughs> Hitler. <laughs> right? That's another thing, too. And I think we need to flesh that out. We need to talk about it. And I'm sure better and wiser people than I have have written on that stuff. Uh, in fact, I was going to show you this. Um, there's a, I was looking at this article when there was some, um, I think it was one of the, uh, maybe it was Louisiana, I forget. I took out the person's name. Uh, this writer said, one thing we can remember is that the world has fallen. And why would God allow natural disasters? The Bible says when man fell into sin, all of nature was cursed. In other words, it was impossible for a sinful man to live in a perfect environment of paradise, so all of nature is cursed. But having said that, it doesn't mean that God has a hands-off policy when it comes to natural disasters. Many people want to protect God from the clear teaching of the Bible, and I had a hard time with that, which shows he is involved in natural disasters. It's not that God causes them, but the very fact that he could prevent them shows that we need to face squarely in the, in the fact, in the face probably, that natural disasters happen within God's providence. So, see, I don't, even, I don't agree with that. That's not comfortable for me, that language. But again, that could be comfortable for you. And we're all invited to enter in, but we also have to step back and go, does this help? Does this help in light of last week's fires? That's a thing that I don't know. And I don't know if we have to know Right? And I think Job, going back to Job, is that it's complex. And could we be okay with that? Anyone else? Question? Yeah, Monica, that's what I hear you saying. Monica just shared that from pain and hard things happening, there were other opportunities that rose up. And that's a way that you can help. Not, not that God caused those things, but when those bad things happen, potentially, you found an inroad to hope and grace. And that reminds me of the story of Joseph when he was, if you don't know the story, this uh, brother of 12 was sold into slavery by his older brothers who were jealous. Granted, Joseph was a little egotistical. And he goes away to Egypt and all these interesting things happen to him. But at the end of his life, when he reunites with his brothers, he says this thing like, you, to his brothers, you intended it for evil, but God intended it for good. Very interesting, right? Uh, it goes back to Romans 8, too. God can turn the evil and make it good for those who love him. I think there's something in that. I think even in my words, sometimes I, I would communicate probably in the same way. Could God take something that was evil and turn it to good? Yeah, I do believe that. Now, how do I make sense of that without, again, causing more harm to someone that kind of belittles their pain? That's interesting. I think sometimes... 
it might even be better for us to be quiet around those type of situations when we're talking to somebody else so that we don't. Because you can own that, Monica, but maybe when we do that, it might tell somebody that their pain is invalid, right? And that's difficult. I don't want to do that. It's really difficult. Yep, Jeremiah is 29, 11. Now, granted, we are also in danger of taking things out of context, which is fine, because sometimes the Bible, we do that a lot, but that's okay. We can pick things out and find hope. I go to Psalm uh, 34 uh, that talks about God is close to the brokenhearted, and he rescued those who are crushed in their spirit. It's full of things like that. Again, magnet-worthy things that we can take and apply. Psalm 34, 18. Yeah. This would be a great way to interact on Facebook this week, my friends, is when we are faced with suffering and natural disaster, what provided you hope? What words from scripture have provided you hope? Maybe even on the index cards I just passed out, you could write one of those too, and I will post them on our Facebook page this week. This conversation needs to continue. It needs to go on, and we should continue to wrestle with how we understand God. And I hope it stirred or ruffled maybe some feathers for us today. I don't have all the answers nor do you. But we need to keep understanding, okay, how do we make sense of this world? Because the, I, 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 the way that I talk about God is so different from 20 years ago, let alone five. And I'm sure if I listen to this message 10 years from now, I'm like, ugh, I, I see things differently. And I hope that's how we all, because we're getting to know more uh, and more about God. I'm going to pray, but I'm going to end with this image. It comes from the naked pastor. I, I think I use him almost every Sunday. Uh, he has this thing, the more questions that the more wisdom think about that the more questions we ask the more we can grow in wisdom let me pray and then we'll go to one more song take a big deep breath in with me and then out god thank you divine creator that the breath that we have in our lungs is because you have breathed it within us we're grateful lord that you are good that we don't always understand you, that you're a mystery, that you're profound and simple all at the same time, and that this world we live in is complex. But either way, I pray like Jackson, the boy who sacrifices his own candy, we would find where there's emptiness, where there's voids, where there's a lack in this world, and give back with hope. Even we don't see those who go after us who will benefit from our giving. Thank you for your presence us today and always. Amen. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe, give it a review, and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it. Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today. You can post questions or suggest topics for the podcast on our Holy Cannoli Facebook page or use the hashtag Holy Cannoli Podcast on Twitter and we might read your question or suggestion on air.